welcome to my second podcast, Kathy Williams DeVries' Muses. I'm your host, Kathy Williams DeVries, and I'm going to begin a series on Renaissance diminutions. Okay, let me translate. What does Renaissance mean in terms of music and society? So, the Renaissance is a very exciting time, not just musically, but in terms of religion and life and the very fabric of society. We're coming out of the Middle Ages, uh, the Dark Ages, with its suppression uh, by religion of science and culture, in my opinion. And uh, we move into uh, the Reformation, uh, the time of Shakespeare, lots of uh, interesting, exciting scientific discoveries and advances, and of course, music, which was either folk music or only allowed by the church in the form of Gregorian chant and very, um, uh, very boring. And along comes the Renaissance, and suddenly we have something called polyphony, where instead of playing all together, everyone is playing stuff that is completely different. So every, every part has its own tune, and no part is less important than another part. Now, I'm assuming that you've, you've already sort of aware of Renaissance music. What I want to delve in deeply is uh, certain aspects of Renaissance music and that is the diminution. Now what does diminution mean? What do I mean by diminution? What will this series believe uh, be when I talk about diminution? Okay, so what I'm referring to is an article, is, a, um, is actually a chapter of a book um, starting at page 188. Um, it's called The Renaissance Flute by Kate Clark and Amanda Markwick, uh, published by Oxford University Press. Uh, but in chapter 15, they go into... Uh, Renaissance ornamentation, uh, so the abstract, they're, so they're presenting in original sources uh, several practical suggestions about what constitutes good diminutions, how to get started making your own diminutions. Um, and so what on earth is a diminution? Well, a diminution is a form of ornamentation or embellishment. So, as uh, as this article says, um, that each generation takes up much of the music of the preceding generations, but each generation wants to make the music of previous generations their own. And how do they do that? By modifying the pieces according to their own taste. So, in the Renaissance, Adding embellishments to existing music was a way that musicians of the time and have been used up until um, the late classical period to enliven and give fresh expression to already existing compositions.
So, and also adapting pieces for different instrumentation. What I mean by that is perhaps um, a piece was originally a vocal piece for, say, four or five voices, and you could adapt that to any instrumentation you like. And my group, the Monteverdi Ensemble, is a prime example of that, in that we take vocal pieces, and we have anything from two recorders, Renaissance flute, violin, cornetto, sackbut, and dulcian to fill out the parts. I mean, it's vocal. There's no, there's no set um, instrumentation. And often in the Renaissance period, there was no set instrumentation. Even in Bach's time, his four-part art of fugue had no instrumentation set at all. So just about any set of instruments could play it or even sing it if they wanted to. Um, I've recorded it on recorder and I think I will do a series of podcasts on Bach's art of fugue examining it in depth. So what I mean by diminution is that adding embellishments was one technique that Renaissance musicians used to make the pieces their own. So for example, four-part voice could be adapted for single voice and instrument and accompanied on a lute. Or you could even add an extra voice and even create an entirely new composition around some part of a pre-existing one. And that's what we're going to discuss over the next few episodes. So throughout the Renaissance period, we see many examples of all these processes. So adding virtuosic ornaments called diminutions was a very popular way and a very effective way of transforming, say, a simple motet into something very exciting in the 16th and 17th centuries. So diminution was the name given to melodic figures that composers, players and singers made up in order to embellish as a musical phrase. So the name diminution or division reflected the fact that many of the long notes in the original melody could be divided up into smaller ones. So let me show you. Uh, this is um, a melody by Jacques Arcadelt called O Felici Ochi Miei. So let me play you the original melody. So very pretty melody. But um, watch what Diego Ortiz, uh, very famous for his diminutions, does to it.
So uh, what he's done is, here's the first phrase originally. Well, the first couple of beats. This is what Ortiz did to it. So already he's added in notes. And the next line gets even more interesting. Uh, made it so much more interesting. Now, making up divisions was at least as much an improvised performer's practice, so performers did it either on the spot or they worked it out beforehand, as it was a compositional device. So at a time when printed books, because uh, the printing press only did come in in the Renaissance period. So at a time when printed books of music were scarce and musicians learned pretty much by ear, it would have been quite natural for musicians of the time to rework pieces they had heard um, according to how you wanted to hear it, to your own taste. And uh, pop and jazz musicians do this all the time. But as the music printing industry grew, Numbers of prominent players and composers took advantage of this to write books about how to compose and play diminutions. So these books were written for the benefit of those who played music for leisure, but also wanted to inquire the skills that the professionals employed. So private music making was a highly cultivated art among the nobility, and um, if they could afford the books, well, they, they sold like hotcakes. So several of the instruction books have been reprinted in modern editions and the rules are very helpful in getting started. So let me, um, let me play you how different what different composers would do with a simple melody. So we've got the original melody by Palestrina, Pulcra es amica mei. And then I'll play you three different diminutions, two by Rogni, Rognoni and one by Bassano. So here's the original tune. Now, let's hear by Bassano. Bassano. Now, if we look at the first by Rognoni, and now here another set of diminutions.
So you can see that the possibilities for diminutions on the simplest of tune are endless. But the, the new embellished version should allow the original unadorned one to remain recognisable and present throughout. So they should reflect the emotion and mood or affect expressed in the original composition and shouldn't substitute any new emotional content for old. Also, um, as you may have noticed in the last diminution, that very subtle changes of rhythmic or melodic direction um, can have a huge effect um, and uh, can make the difference between an embellishment that is merely correct to one that is really beautiful. And I think um, an elegant rhythm is actually an aspect of writing and playing diminutions that's underappreciated. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to play for you um, some examples of, uh, just one example of diminutions. So I'm going to play the original motet, which is by Jocan Despray, Benedicta e Caelum Regina. Originally, it was for six parts. Um, it's from Magnificat 69. Um, so it has um, the soprano, alto, tenor one, tenor two, bass one, bass two. And I'm going to play the original motet for you. Then I'm going to come back and um, play for you um, some diminutions on it. And the diminutions are actually in all the instruments. And uh, these are by Antonio de Cabezon. Yes, uh, but these were published um, by Hernando de Cabezon, his son, um, in 1578. It'll be interesting for you to hear the original motet um, and then what Cabazon has done in terms of the diminution. So here we go.
that was the original motet by Josquin Dupre, which is Benedicta S. Calerum Regina. Let me just read you the translation for that. It's Blessed You Are, Queen of Heaven, and Ruler of the Whole World, and Medicine for the Sick. You are called Brightest Star of the Sea, who gave birth to the Son of Clemency, by whom you are illuminated. God the Father, that you might become God's mother and he God's brother, whose daughter you were, sanctified you, kept you sacred, and sent you this greeting. Hail, full of grace. Through that spoken hail and your pleasing response, the word, the world became flesh from you, by whom all are saved. Now, mother, implore your son, that he may take away our guilt, and may give us the kingdom prepared in the celestial fatherland. Amen. So that was the original motet. I'm now going to play you... The uh, Diminutions by Antonio de Cabezon, um, 1510 to 1566, um, and these were published uh, by his son, which were transcribed for tra keyboard instrument and harp and arranged for instruments, and uh, Alan Arnold Den Tuling has arranged them for recorders or other instruments in 2017. So please listen to this version of the very same motet, but with a few extra notes, and I'll come back to you with some final remarks.
hope you enjoyed that transcription of uh, Antonio Becabazon's diminutions on the motet by Josquin Dupré. And uh, in this series, we are going to go on. Um, and the next one will be um, a series again by Cabazon, um, a motet called Santa Maria Virgo Virginum by Philippe Verdelo. I think you'll uh, enjoy that. And um, we'll continue on in this series of diminutions till I can't find any more. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Goodbye for now from Brisbane, Australia. <laughs>